Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Well, in this next segment, we're going to talk to those of you who have children presently in college, who have a son or daughter about to enter college for the first time this fall, and the parents of high school juniors and seniors will be selecting a college applying for admission within the next year or two. But heck, if your kids are in high school, uh, ninth and 10th graders, or maybe still in middle school, listen in because your time is coming, and you may want to invite your son or daughter to listen in if they're willing to, although they already know far more than us. (laughs) Just ask them. And I'm certain that most of you are aware of the recent Operation Varsity Blues college bribery scandal, dozens of wealthy parents paying coaches of elite universities to supposedly recruit their sons and daughters to play sports for which the kids had no talent nor real interest in playing. Too bad for them they got caught. On top of that, as my next guest, college advisors Lindy and Tom Schneider will explain, It doesn't really matter what college your kids attend. What matters is what they do once they get there. And the Snyders are here to guide you in helping your teens select the college or university best for them and how to to make the most out of their college experience. In fact, they are co-authors of a highly acclaimed book on the subject titled College Secrets of Highly Successful People, Keys to Launching a Great Life, And before I introduce them, here are their biographies. Lindy Snyder has 16 years' experience as America's college advisor, and she's contributing author to several books in the best-selling book series Chicken Soup for the Soul. And Tom Snyder has advised thousands of students, both high school and college, on their preferred college options. And he's creator of an innovative public school model that the U.S. Department of Education called the future of education in America. And together, in addition to their book, Lindy and Tom are co-creators of the College Superhero Secrets, a college career and life success training program. And hello, Lindy and Tom Snyder. It's indeed an honor to have both of you with us here today. Well, thank you, Roy. Thank you for that opening. Thank you. It's a privilege to be here. Well, to begin, you point out that many highly successful people, presidents, CEOs, celebrities, and entrepreneurs did not go to Ivy League schools. Can you give us a few examples? I know there's numerous of them out there. but Well, um, my favorite example is um, Steven Spielberg, the renowned oh. film director, and he did not get into the college of his first choice. Huh. And, uh, in fact, he applied twice and got rejected twice, and so he chose what he thought was a lesser college. Now, when he went to that school, he looked for what opportunities were there for him, and one of them was an internship. They had an internship uh, internship connection with Universal Studios. 
so he took that and um, he applied for the internship and they didn't have him doing exactly what he wanted to do but he did it to the very best of his abilities and that opened the the doors to his illustrious career because Universal just absolutely loved him. <laughs> yeah, I know uh, when I was in Texas, Lyndon Johnson, uh, president, went to Southwest Texas State, <laughs> which is now called Texas State, but that's hardly an Ivy League school. And uh, I know Richard Nixon graduated from Whittier College, which is that's a little right, college yeah. out in Southern California. So you don't, uh, I know Kennedy and some of the others were Ivy League, but uh, not all of the presidents have been that. <laughs> Well, and we found that in when we were doing interviews and researching for the book, uh, it was kind of surprising because we found that a vast majority of them didn't attend Ivy League or top tier schools. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't. It didn't really make that much difference where they went to school. It mattered what they did while they were in school. Yeah. Well, let's say my son or daughter will be a high school senior this fall and wants to attend college. She, uh, she or he has. Uh, Adequate grades, obviously, to get into a college, but uh, as veteran advisors, beyond affordability, what are some of the most important factors you would counsel my son or daughter to consider in choosing the college best suited for them? I know that's a loaded question, but uh, what are well, a few I, of the... I, you know, actually, that's a, a really great question, because sometimes uh, parents and kids get all fixated on, gee, I want to go to this prestigious school, and that school may not have the, the opportunities available to you that fit the interests of the child. So I think the very first thing that you should be looking at is finding schools that fit that student's interest. Um, there, there are, we, have, we have a friend whose daughter is attending college. Uh, she just completed her freshman year, and she was majoring in dance. And, I mean, she could go to Harvard, but there's not going to be a great dance program at Harvard. So she went to Chapman University in California, which has an exceptionally good dance program. Oh. Yeah, and we lived in Orange of... County. I know all about Chapman. Actually, our daughter was in a play that was kind of, she was young then, but she was sponsored by Chapman. I know they have oh. a good arts department there. And, it is a good arts department. Interestingly, this one gal that, that Tom mentioned, she has decided to also pursue um, sports training oh. because she knows uh, even a, a career in dance, if you can get into that, is a short career. Yeah. Unless you can go on to become an instructor or calligrapher exactly. or whatever. <laughs> well, I, I do want to mention one other thing when choosing a college. Quite often, the first uh, career job that a student has after they graduate is in that city of huh. their college because that's where they're making connections. Yeah. So if they're going, oh, I, I can't stand the location, but I think the college would be good, they need to think about that too because it's quite often where they will start their career. Well, that's an interesting thought. But the, well, in recent years, we've seen a real proliferation of online college offerings, some of which require little of any on-campus time. Oh, there's University of Phoenix, Arizona State, and lately I've seen Internet ads for Southern New Hampshire, which I'd never even heard of. But uh, certainly an online education is more affordable, but online students miss out on a lot of benefits uh, that the in-college personal experience, uh, 
college experience gives. Uh, do you recommend online education for some, and how would they supplement it to improve their chances of ultimate career success, being as they're probably sitting at home and uh, taking most of their classes there? Well, I, I think you bring up a very good point, and a lot of people wonder about that. I think online it has opened up the world of education to so many people. You can even go to Harvard from Colorado now. Um, You can take some Harvard courses online. But um, one of the things that you have to think about is no matter where you go to college, whether it's online or on campus, there are things you must do intentionally to get a career. So we like to say you can studying with intention will get you a degree, but connecting with intention will get you a career. So when you're online, you are with your own computer, um, you've got to make the point to get out, walk through the walls of your own home and get into the community, talk to professionals in the area you hope to access as a a graduate. Um, That's where you're going to get the career offerings when you graduate. They have to know you. So... um, for instance, joining a business association. And as a college student, you come across as a rock star because you're forward-thinking and you can get into that association at a fraction of the cost that a professional can. Also, even though you are in an online school, there's a lot of interaction from the students because there's still group projects that take place in online schools. Oh, and you, you have to be a little bit more uh, intentional about connecting with those students online. But, I mean, we have whole, whole uh, uh, groups of people that are doing dating apps with, you know, people they're meeting online uh, <laughs> and, and virtual relationships. So creating those connections with the other students that are also part of that online school, those, you never know who that person is that's also taking that same course as you, even if they're in New York and you're in San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, and it gives you a chance to make those connections outside of that classroom, and sometimes those can end up developing a whole new career path for you. Yeah, you in your book you emphasize the one element most important to succeed in college is what you call intentionality. And how do you define the word intentionality? And uh, tell me a little bit, Lindy, about your squirrel exper- experiment you did when you were 10 years old. That was an example you gave of uh, intentionality. Absolutely. Well, um, when I was a child, I, I saw squirrels in the yard, and I oh, I wanted so much to touch one. And um, so I started an experiment where I put a few peanuts out in the yard way away from the house. And each day I would, the, the squirrels would come and get the peanuts quite often. I wouldn't see them get the nuts. Um, I'd just see that the nuts were gone. Yeah. So I kept building a path closer and closer to the house. And then I began to sit near the path and just wait for them so they would get comfortable with, um, with my presence until finally they were taking peanuts literally out of the palm of my hand. Right. And... Uh, I feel like that's what we need to do for success. Sometimes people chase it and and it runs. And you have to entice success to come to you by putting all the pieces in place and making connections. 
That makes so much sense. And uh, yeah, and chapter seven of your book is titled "Bees Are Better Than A's." What the heck do you mean by that? If our son or daughter is an outstanding academic, are you implying that they should intentionally strive to lower their grade average to a B? <laughs> and what's accomplished by that? <laughs> here's here's what we mean by that. Um, in high school, it's it's important to get great grades so that you have the options to go to colleges. Um, yeah. And your freshman year in college, you should strive to get all A's. Oh, but the reason why we say B's are better than A's is because if you spend all of your time studying, you're not making those interpersonal connections. You're not getting off campus and meeting people in the community. You're not joining the clubs and organizations on campus. Um, you know, is it Bill Gates that said that his, his biggest regret, his biggest regret mm-hmm. was that he spent all of his time studying and he never went to a basketball game. He never made, he never joined a club. He never made those personal connections. And those are his biggest regrets of his college experience. And with all of his billions, he can't get that back. Huh. Yeah, that's, well, that's very And true. I'd like to add this, too, is that well, what we've found in our research is that the hiring practices of the Fortune 500 companies, they are looking more for people who have been making connections in the community and have done volunteer work, things like that, more than they are the straight-A student, which now, was surprising. You, obviously, if you can be involved in the community and do sports and other things and still get A's, <laughs> you wouldn't exactly. discourage somebody from doing that. It's just that they exactly. shouldn't spend all their time on academics only. I can see what you're saying there. Mm-hmm. And it can hurt that straight-A average. Um, but the most important thing, keep your grades up as high as you can, but also make those connections. Well, in your Chapter 8, you uh, have a title, Don't Take College Seriously. And I I attended a small liberal arts college that was consistently rated in the top 10 uh, nationally of those types of colleges. And the son of uh, friends of my parents uh, entered that college two years after me. And a couple of months into his freshman year, he wrote his parents saying, uh, Carlton isn't so tough. I'm having a great time. Parties in the arb every weekend, hanging out with friends every evening, intramural sports. And after one year, this fellow flunked out. (laughs) So college should be a well-rounded experience. But uh, shouldn't you take it seriously? I don't know. You know, and you're right. You're right. You should absolutely take college seriously. You're paying the same price as you would for a small house to go there. And you want to make sure you graduate and get the keys so you can use that house. Um, But uh, what we're talking about there is one of uh, of the CEOs that uh, we delighted in is Mike Dubin, and he created the Dollar Shave Club. Oh, yeah. Um, and sure. sold that to Unilever for a, for a one billion dollars. <laughs> and uh, he likes to say that the most important course he took, college course that he took, was improv, because oh. it helped him to think creatively in all of his businesses that he'd been involved in. And um, so the emphasis of the don't take college seriously is find stress relievers. Find um, a course, even if it's not even a course, if it's a club that teaches improv, improv will give you 
confidence, teach you how to bring humor into your life, and alleviate stress. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I know uh, I ran track and cross country in college, and uh, just that that was a real stress reliever. It also helped me to study better in the evening if I'd had a heavy workout in the afternoon and uh, made a lot of close friends on that uh, team and those teams that uh, stuck with me throughout life. So it's uh, it's definitely good not to just, uh, you know, crack the books all the time. Like you oh, said. I agree with you. But in Chapter 2, you point out the importance of on-campus or off-campus jobs and I always considered myself fortunate that I didn't have to work during college year, but you cite an excellent example of the college experience of your oldest son, Jeremy. Please briefly tell us how Jeremy wisely targeted and pursued on-campus employment and how his job effectively enhanced his resume when he graduated and sought full-time employment. I thought that was great. Yeah, what When Jeremy uh, first went to orientation week, um, and, and he had already let the college know that he was interested in on-campus jobs. Yeah. And somebody from the off, the business office uh, was there and uh, introduced her, herself to him, and they talked briefly, and she said, now, you're going to be approached by all these other jobs on campus, but I want you to know you need to be in the business department, so we want you. Hmm. Uh, so That's he said, great. cool, I'm going to be majoring in business anyway. Yeah. So he got a job in the in the business office, and he was as all on campus jobs. You get a chance to set your own hours as to when you can work around your schedule, and he got to know virtually everybody on campus, all the professors, all the employees, because they all came in to get their paychecks every week. Oh, that's great! <laughs> and as a result, by the time he graduated from college, he had been appointed the office manager of the business office. And when wow. he was applying for jobs in his senior year, he could claim four years of experience already in his career field. And oh, he walked wonderful. right into a job. He had a job waiting for him uh, really before he even graduated. Well, that's wonderful. I don't suppose there's too many uh, students who have had quite that great an experience with the <laughs> on It, it goes back to jobs. that intentionality. He went in with a focus and an intention of, I, I know that... What I do in college, it's a four-year job interview. And what I do in college during these four years is where I'm going to get some of that experience that's going to be required to get a job outside of college. And that's one of the biggest conundrums. Oh, yeah, is that employees go, well, we, we don't want to hire you if you don't have a few years of experience. And they go, I've been in college. How am I supposed to have experience? <laughs> well, there's a way to make that happen through internships, through volunteering. Or oh, that's great. Yeah, jobs. internships is uh... The concept sounds great, but how does the average student locate and obtain a worthwhile summer internship? Uh, how best do you uh, locate entities that are hiring, make contact, and stand out from all the other candidates who probably are seeking the same internship? Is that is that fairly easy to do, or is it pretty difficult? How do you how do you find those? Well, the best way for me to answer that is to tell you how other people have done it. Um, yeah. Quite often, start with the career center in the college itself. Quite oh, often, they have contacts that yeah. they can lead you to. Now, if your school does not have that, then start with, we had one student that uh, he went to his eye doctor and hmm. said, I don't plan to be an eye doctor, but I'm looking for 
an internship. Can I work with you this summer? Hmm. And uh, so start with people you know and ask or ask your parents who they know that might want help during the summer. Hmm. Um, we, in our book, we give a free bonus of 50 different companies that offer internships. Oh, people like great. Pepsi and uh, L'Oreal Cosmetics and things like that. So depending on what the student's interest is, they can target that particular company. Oh, also, great. if you don't have access to uh, internship uh, referrals and things through your college, sometimes you just have to go out like James Melinchak, the multi-million dollar speaker, and create your own. He called. He wanted to be in the uh, in the finance world in the stock market, and he contacted every stock brokerage house that he could find, <laughs> and asked them if he could intern with them. That's and great. he got. No, 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 and because they said we don't offer internships, he eventually impressed one uh, CEO uh, so well that he said, "Well, we don't offer internships, but I'm going to hire you out of my own salary to work with me for the summer." Oh wow! And well, let's talk briefly he, about your great new deal. book, "College Secrets of Highly Successful People," and a significant portion of your book is dedicated to telling about the college experiences of actual folks and uh, what was the purpose in telling all of those stories I think that it's great but uh, what was your purpose in, in doing that well we wanted to do two things with this book we wanted to obviously highlight high profile people that other people would recognize and therefore know that hey you know wow I know that person I'd like to know what they did but yeah. we also wanted to feature people that we have uh, had personal connections with uh, because Success can be defined not just by money and fame and fortune, but sometimes it's just, hey, I got to go into the career that I really wanted to get into, and I have a very fulfilling life as a result of that. So success is not just this high-profile, high-income thing. It's what success is to you, and that's what we wanted to incorporate in, in the choosing of the people that we interviewed and researched for this book. Yeah, it's so great. You effectively talk about mentors, and uh, by reading this book, I think students can uh, find a mentor or two, even though they're not uh, dealing with them personally, but just to, to follow those formulas that work so well for so many of the uh, people in your book. Exactly, and and we try to we try to summarize all of the tips and secrets from this book in the last chapter, so that you you can kind of get the Cliff Notes version. Of uh, of things that that really anyone can do, even if they're not in college, oh. uh, you know, even if you're in a midlife uh, career change, there are the the components for success are still there uh, yeah, that you can use. Very few of them require you to be in college to access. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, is your book intended to be read only by our college age sons and daughters, or can we as parents also benefit from reading it? And if we can benefit. Well, what thoughts should we try to pass along to our student if they don't, so that they don't just tune us out? <laughs> well, the, the keys to success are universal, and we, we intentionally wrote this so that uh, parents and adults, uh, as well as college students and high school students, or even people that have no intention of going to college can benefit from it, because oh. these success secrets, as I said, are not just limited to college students. And one of the gratifying things for us is that we've had many, many 
adults whose kids are grown even uh, and out of college that have have told us that they just love the the book. It's it's interesting to people, and, and quite frankly, when you're trying to communicate some of these success principles to your teenagers, um, you as a parent sometimes get, oh yeah, it's mom and dad <laughs> telling me this yeah. stuff, blah blah blah. And they don't want to hear it from you because they want to prove that they can make decisions on their own. And this book gives them, uh, as a parent, you go, okay, this is an interesting book. You can read about these successful people that you know who they are. And simply because it's somebody else telling them the same things that the parents would have told them, the kids respond to that and they integrate that. And that was really how the book was actually created. Oh, that's great. I, I know they like to read about Zuckerberg and they like to read about yeah, Bill exactly. Gates and some of their heroes, <laughs> high-tech heroes. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we have um, in the back of the book, we have discussion questions for anyone so that Ooh. it's not just for college kids, but it's adults wanting to improve their life, how they can take these secrets and actually expand their own life right Ooh. now, wherever, whatever stage they're in. Well, where's the best place for our listeners to go to preview and purchase your book? Um, the book is available in any bookstore or through Amazon. But if you go to our website, America's College Advisors, that's O-R-S dot com, America's College Advisors dot com, you can actually uh, click on a, a link there and, and we'll be glad to give you three chapters, the first three chapters of the book for free. And yeah, that's great. And, uh, I know you also on your website you offer some uh, a couple of free downloads that really were interesting. Yes. What are those uh, downloads? You can, you can find those in the resources tab on our website, americascollegeadvisors.com, and there's uh, several different free reports and things that you can access there as well. Yeah, I noticed how to talk to your young adult was one of them, and eight things you must know before starting college. So I think those were uh, extremely valuable. Well, in conclusion, I can't even begin to summarize the benefits of a college education beyond the diploma we can hang upon the wall. But in their book, College Secrets of Highly Successful People, Lindy and Tom Snyder precisely describe the type of info we need as parents and your offspring need to get the most out of your college experience. And it's all summed up by this comment by Heidi Gamal, a University of Colorado regent, uh, that's quoted in the book. We, you can hope for all the success or seize it by following up what other pe- successful people have done. And uh, College Secrets is a must-read if you want to make sure your daughter or son gets your money's worth out of college education. And I might add, heck, as an added bonus, they might even find their future spouse a soulmate for life. <laughs> and this book would be a great gift for your son or daughter heading off to or returning to college this fall. And thank you, Snyders, and best of success in, uh, in your book and in all that you do. Thank you very much. Thank you, Roy. Well, before we close the program, let's talk a little bit about the connection between exercise and brain health. And this is from a May 5, 2019 article that I observed in USA Today. The World Health Organization reports that more than 60% of the population does not achieve the recommended 30 minutes a day of moderate physical exercise. Any surprise to that? Accordingly, the uh, 
uh, prevalence of many physical health problems is skyrocketing, and the Western population is experiencing continued growth both in numbers and girth of what is known as obesity epidemic. And the physical problems associated with lack of exercise are not the only concern. Physical activity has repeatedly been shown to influence psychology and neurology, and studies in this area suggest that exercise significantly improves cognition, decreases stress and anxiety, improves self-esteem, and decreases depression. Sounds like a pretty good reason to exercise, doesn't it? But physical activity or exercise is defined as any physical movement uh, induced from skeletal muscle activity that results in energy expenditure and is often described as a cheaper non-drug treatment alternative or exercise therapy. The benefits of exercise are widespread throughout the body system. You know, people who initiate and maintain an exercise regime report increased fitness, mood, and overall quality of life. The problem it's getting uh, to that stage that's a hurdle, getting the exercise going. Low enthusiasm, self-esteem, and motivation all impact an individual's determination and their ability to start and maintain a healthy exercise program. But here's some more good news. Brain imaging and post-mortem brain studies have identified significant changes in the brains, positive changes, in the brains of people who had exercised regularly compared to those who had not. And many of these neurological, neurological changes are thought to be responsible for the positive psychological benefits associated with exercise. The major neurological, neurological, I'm having trouble saying that word, findings are first, stimulation of the brain, second, stimulation of proteins that signal brain cells to grow. You certainly want your brain to grow and not shrink, right? Uh, decrease in brain atrophy, increase brain plasticity, increase blood flow throughout the brain, and reduced inflammation. All sound like pretty, pretty positive uh, trends to have, doesn't it? Don't they? Well, further evidence has also suggested that physical activity improves neuro, uh, neuronal survival, and this means in some cases, if the brain is exposed to any trauma or injury, it will be less likely to be permanently damaged. That would certainly be true of a stroke or something like that. Uh, the hippocampus, the brain center for learning and memory, is greatly activated during exercise. In addition, scientists have recently discovered that exercise, especially running, increases production of brain-derived growth factor, or BGGF. That's BDGF in the hippocampus, and BDGF is a chemical released in the brain that protects neurons and promotes their growth. And exercise also has shown positive efforts in brain functioning and that memory and learning can improve with regular physical activity. And evidence supports the idea that physical activity can delay or even prevent cognitive function loss. In fact, even a relatively small amount of 
physical activity equivalent to either four hours of light exercise or 1.3 hours of vigorous activities per week. That might be jogging, uh, swimming, riding your bike, anything that uh, really uh, a moderate workout is associated with a lower incident incidence of dementia risk, and that's certainly something we all like to avoid, isn't it? <clears throat> well, all of us are aware of the positive impact of exercising on, and uh, diet, of course. You do those together on, on maintaining an ideal weight and appearance, and most of us know that moderate exercise each day, or at least every other day, enhances our mood. But now here's another huge benefit of exercise. It uh, decreases our probability of getting dementia, uh, dementia and keeps our brain sharp and with it. And come on, I, I, can't, I don't care how busy you are, you certainly can spare four hours per week of light exercise, uh, kind of like Harry Truman's daily constitutional, to take you back uh, well before I was even around, uh, or merely one hour and 20 minutes per week of jogging, uh, swimming, or riding your bike. You can certainly come up with that uh, hour and uh, 20 minutes. And I urge you to preview and purchase my book, A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up by Roy C. Richards. It's got a comprehensive roadmap, including exercise and diet recommendations, all leading to a joyful and energetic second half of life, however uninspiring, even depressing, your life may be today. And you'll find my book on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or directly through my website, www.MiddleAgeRenewal.com, all one word. And that's our program for today. Tune in next week when my guest, a talented author and medical doctor, will offer you a surprising new prescription for a second half of peace and joy. Talk to you then. Bye for now from Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 